Right, you might have noticed this morning that the stage is looking a bit different. I hope you did. Um, and uh, this morning we're starting our three-part series on how Christmas changes everything. And so we want to unpack over these next three weeks what it means for the world and what it means for you and me that Jesus Christ came. Because it's not just Christmas that changes everything. It's Christ in Christmas that produces the change. And so this morning, we're going to try and unpack why there is a need for Christmas. Why did Christmas ever happen? And why was there ever a need for change? Because unless we know the why, the what doesn't make sense. i say it again. Unless you know the why behind Christmas, what Christmas is, kids, it's that Christmas morning where you just get to open loads of presents. Who's hoping, hoping for lots of presents this year? <laughs> Where's my wife? Yes. And who eats a whole lot of food over Christmas? Oh, man. How many of you is the New Year's resolution that I'm going to go big now so that I'll, in January I'll go small, right? Yeah? Is we get excited about the what, but we want to slow down three weeks before Christmas so that we can go, what is the why? Because the why is big. And so you need to know this morning that the world we live in, when you look outside and you see litter on the floor or in grass, or maybe you drive around and you see people who have different incomes, some struggling, some who have more, some who have less, some who are sick, some who have lost family members, some who are going through some really, really trying circumstances at work. This picture of the world, and if I had to ask you all honestly this morning, this world that's really struggling to survive, I want to say this morning, the world did not always look like this. That might be something that's so hard for you to understand and for me to understand is because the second we are born, we're just used to this reality of suffering, survival. But there was a time when God, out of nothing, spoke a word, a command, and out of nothing, the most beautiful universe Millions of solar systems and stars were birthed. How many of you have looked up at the sky at night and just seen a whole host of stars and just been blown away? Have you ever done that? Kids, have you ever done that? Yeah, seen all the stars? Well, can you imagine a world where there is no sickness? Some of you here this morning are struggling with bodies that are starting to slow down right? And you're needing to be serviced with new parts because the current parts are starting to fade. How many of you this morning have experienced death firsthand? Maybe even be facing death around the corner. How many of us live in the reality of wars and corruption, economic hardship? Imagine a world where everybody has enough. Imagine a world where the relationship between a husband and wife, perfect peace. 
Maybe you're here this morning going, Jesus, I long for that sort of marriage with my husband or with my wife. Maybe you hear the kids this morning with your, with, your, with your brothers and sisters. You wish that death would speed up for a few of them because uh, you're really struggling with your family relations. Imagine a world when God, perfect God in heaven, looks down upon it and says, it is good. It is good. And imagine a world when God looked down upon Adam and Eve, the first great, 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 great times umpteenth grandfather and grandmother of us. He says it is very good. Imagine that. I don't think when we look at the world today, we say it is good. I think for a lot of us here this morning, we're worried that when we look at the world, we don't actually know where it's going. But I want to say this morning, when God birthed this world in his creation, he looked upon it and said, it is good. But something happened that was devastating. And the Bible talks about the fall from a place of incredible goodness to a place that is far beneath the fall. Was the moment when Adam and Eve, our great, 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 grandfather and grandmother, our representatives, listened to a tempter called Satan, and Satan said, what you have, this goodness, what you have, it's not enough. It's not enough. In actual fact, God in heaven is keeping something from you. He doesn't want to share his glory with you, which if you do what I tell you to do today, and you eat of the knowledge of good and evil, remember Adam and Eve had no knowledge of what was evil because they just knew what was good. He said, ah, I'll let you into something that only God knows about, the knowledge of good and evil. And they believed the tempter because they wanted to be like God. And in that moment, something called sin, that disobedience, where God said, Adam and Eve, you can enjoy all of my goodness. Everything is yours. Imagine that. Everything. Except this. I don't want you to touch this. That moment when sin arrived, it introduced the most catastrophic trauma to creation that you and I live with to this day. And I want to say to you this morning, I want to unpack that just for a moment. Sin is not something that just happened years ago. Sin in this day and age has broken our relationship with God. And you know how that plays out in your life and mine? is a deep longing to know this creator. And it plays out like this of wanting to know, why am I here? Anyone ever felt like that? Why am I here? What is this thing of getting up in the morning, taking care of my body, going to work, earning a salary, which some of us do, some of us don't, and going to bed at night and doing the same thing for some of us, if God is gracious, 10, 20 30, 40 years, and inside of us there is this desperation of going, what is the meaning of all of this? And we try to find it in our work, we try to find it in our social status, we try to find it in all of these areas of creation, but the more we delve into them, the more we discover that they don't satisfy. And every time we try and build our lives around those things, it crumbles. 
Friends, that is the effect of being absolutely disconnected from God. And the first thing you need to know this morning is this, is that you were made for Him. Is that just like Nathan, who was cast away for dead, his parents, earthly parents said, this boy is unwanted and we want him dead. God said, no. Because the divine, the creator, God in heaven, has got a plan for Nathan's life. And it is only at the point when we begin to realize we were made for God, not for the world. We were made for His enjoyment and for living out His purpose and pleasure in our lives that we begin to find what we're really looking for. Secondly is this brokenness plays out in creation. And I want to say this morning, the greatest fear in my life at the moment is what kind of future is Sarah going to face? Water shortages, antibiotic failure, destruction of the environment, the third of the barrier reef has already been wiped out, giraffes are dying, that was the latest thing I read. Will she know the picture of animals that you and I got to see in the wildlife parks by the time that she's 30 years old? Friends, the earth is crying out in destruction because of sin. And I want to say this morning... That sin has separated us from what we were to nurture and enjoy and live in mutual benefit with. That has been broken because of sin. It's chaotic. And lastly, sin plays out in this third way, is that it damages our relationship with those around us. And many of us here this morning live with deep regret because of sin that you've done towards somebody else and that you can't fix or, some of us live here this morning with deep pain because of sin done against us. Some of us have had physical abuse. Some of us have stuck in addictions. Some of us have family situations where you have not spoken to your daughter or your father or your mother in years. Some of you live with deep regret because family members have passed away and you never, ever made things right. Friends, this morning, we live in the pain of sin. And as a parent, the depth of sin, I see it in my little girl, and Mark's mentioned already in his little boy, and so has Raj and Jack, and any of you who are mothers and fathers this morning know that the second your baby is born... You don't have to teach that baby how to disobey your commands, how to not share, how to assert him or herself in a selfish way. In actual fact, the reason why they are parents is because you have to try and train this, this little child not to do what he or she wants to do by instinct. Not so? And we are born with this sin right in our very natures. And this morning, instead of us looking upon the earth and seeing it go from better to better to better, we are looking upon the earth and we see that it is crying out because of sin. And in actual fact, for you and me in the 21st century, we don't know what the future of the world is really going to look like.
And so in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, it says that creation groans. It groans for rescuing. And it says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And here it is. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Groaning. And there have been moments in the history of the world when there's been an attempt to rescue it, okay? There's been moments where there's been attempts for restarts in this creation. The first was Noah. How many of you know the story of Noah? Can you put up your hands? What did Noah build? An ark. A big, 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 big boat, right? And what God said was the world got so bad, humanity got so bad, he was going to wipe out the vast majority of it with, with a flood, and he was going to rescue creation with Noah in this boat. And what did God do? He sent rain after rain after rain. Okay? Flooded the earth. But very soon after Noah's children had an opportunity to carry the human, human race forward, they fell into sin. The next was Abraham. Who remembers Abraham? Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, yes. Well, those sons came at a very, very slow pace. <laughs> All right. He was an old medalla. He was about 80 years old. And God said to him, you're going to have a son. And eventually he couldn't wait anymore. And the restart of God calling out a nation out of Abraham, he messed up in the beginning by sleeping with his servant girl, Hagar. And uh, that's where this fight between Muslims and Jews come from, descendants of Ishmael and Isaac. Well then, God raises up Israel and he raises up Moses to save them. Who knows Moses? Put up your hand. Anyone heard of Moses? Well done. I'm so proud of you this morning. Good job, Sunday school teachers. You deserve a medal. So Moses, what does he do? The most amazing things. Ten plagues in Egypt. Delivers Israel out of the hand of Pharaoh. Splits the Red Sea. Gives them manna and quail by morning, leads them by a cloud of day, fire by night. Amazing. And what do they do? Fall straight back into sin. Restart. Fails. They eventually reach the promised land. What happens? Fall back into sin. And God has to raise up, raise up judge after judge. after, And they restart. And they restart. And they restart. But every time they fail, and I want to say this morning, that's a picture of you and me. Is our lives is a history of failed restarts. How many of us here this morning, like myself, have said, I'm never going to say that again. I'm going to fix up my life. Not so. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm not going to go back to that ever again. I'm going to stop swearing. I'm going to stop arguing with my wife. Man, the very next day, you're arguing. You're going to say, I'm going to fix my, my life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to start again. I'm going to get my life right. And over and over, failed restarts. And I'm willing to bet 
a lot this morning that many of us have regret. And many of us feel this morning an overwhelming sense of historical failure. And I want to say that feeling this morning that you have and that I experience of failed restarts and this groaning inside of us that we experience, that groan is the same groan which the world outside is crying out with. Is somebody has to rescue me. And this morning, Christmas only makes sense if you've come to a place like I have where you're tired of the restarts. Christmas only makes sense if you're like me where you've reached a place in your life where you've gone, I just can't do this again anymore. Because the reason why Christmas changes everything is at the right time, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, God stepped in to do a restart in his son, Jesus Christ, that changed the world. And the restart was this, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a life that we've tried over and over again to do. And then to die a death that was meant for you and me because of this consequence of sin. And it started in the day that he was born by Virgin Mary. And this morning, children, I want you to quickly tell me, can you give me some examples of what sin is? Shout out an example of what sin is. What's an example of sin? Whoa, disobeying your parents. What's a shorter version? Rebellion. <laughs> what else? Pride. What else? Stealing, theft, what else? Lying, what else? What else? Gluttony, Christmas is coming. One more. Anger. Now, I want all the children to come up with that red piece of paper that you got. Can you hold up your red piece of paper? Okay. Now, I want you to come to the front. Come to Mark in the front. Come, come. All of you to the front. Bring your red piece of paper. And I want you to choose a spot 
on my writing where you would like to stick your red piece of paper. Anywhere on the writing. It won't make a difference where. Anywhere. Yes, fine. Pop it here. Yeah, next one. Well done. The problem is until that is dealt with. It's just failed restarts. Is that sin has power over us. And the reason why Jesus is the only way to come to a place where we find forgiveness of sin, a new start, freedom, acceptance with God, where we have a restoration with the relationship with God, we get to know who He is. We're able to feel forgiven in our relationship with Him and extend that forgiveness to others and start to live in an expectant hope of the future is because Jesus on the cross dealt with the power of sin. And He did it by shedding His blood. And this morning, the simple reason for the why of Christmas is this, is we could not deal with the power of sin in our lives. And that's why we failed again in our own strength, again and again. But by the grace of God, He sent Jesus, born that Christmas day, to live a life we could not live, to die a death we were supposed to die, so that we could have a new start in Him. And this morning, I want to end with this, is how do you get this new start in Christ? How do you get this sense of feeling forgiven and having a sense of a relationship with God and peace with yourself, with Him, and the world around us? Starts first of all with honesty. You have to recognize that there are failed restarts and that ultimately in your life, you can't fix that. Secondly, that means... You don't have to only come to a place of understanding yourself before God with all of these failed restarts. It takes a place, it takes a change in your mind of seeing who Jesus is. That He is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's only through Him that you are able to get what you're looking for. And the third thing is this. It's not only do you have to be honest, not only do you have to change your mind about yourself and who Jesus is, that He is the way, He is the only Savior, but you have to exercise faith in Him. Is you have to trust Him. What that means is He becomes your only hope. And apart from anything else, you're not going to try and earn it. You're not going to try and be a better person. You're not going to try and do extra stuff. What you're going to do is this. is You're going to lean on Him as your Lord and Savior. You're going to say... 
He is my only reason, and He's my only hope that I have for forgiveness of sin. He's where I'm putting all of my eggs in one basket. It's Jesus. That cry in you must be turned towards Him. And the promise is this. This is the wonder of Christmas. Is that whoever comes to a place of repenting of their sin, or asking for forgiveness, saying all these failed restarts are bring to you Jesus. This cry for rescuing, I turn to you and I call out to you to be my Lord and Savior. The restart is this, is that you will be born again on the inside. We talked about God dealing with our past. He will, in a, through amazing grace, wipe out all of that past of sin, of regret, of failure, of shame, and give you a new start in Him. For us this morning, church, if that has happened to you, that's the reason why we rejoice in Christmas, is that we are forgiven. We have had this new start in Christ, where He will no longer hold our past against us, but keep us to Himself in Jesus. But for us this morning, some of us this morning, is you've never come to this place of calling upon Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Christ has to change us before we can live for Him. And the thing you're searching for, the thing you're longing for, that cry for rescuing, can only be met in Him. Let's pray. This morning, Lord, you are offering a new start. You are offering a new start. It does not matter what you have done. It does not matter where you have been. It does not matter the magnitude of what you feel before God right now, that you might just feel, God, there is no ways you could receive me. If you had to know all the failed restarts, God, how can I come? But as Alexia plays this morning, the God of heaven is saying, Christmas for you this year is my son. Christmas for you this year is Jesus Christ that I sent, not that because you deserved it, but because I love you. It's my love that sent him to rescue a world crying out, groaning. And this morning, Christmas is Jesus Christ on offer for you. And so church, if you've come to a place where you have received Jesus, take Christ afresh this morning. Wonder and marvel at the grace of God to you are forgiven in Jesus. You are accepted before the Father in Jesus. You are loved with a never-ending love. And this morning, just enjoy it afresh. It's yours in Jesus Christ. But we don't want to go this morning unless we've given the opportunity for those who have not yet come to a place of turning their groaning and their need to Christ. Christmas is Jesus for you this morning, and I want to encourage you. If that's you, I want you to pray with me. I want you to say in your heart before the Lord, I want you to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I need you to take my failed restarts, my sin.
and I need you to forgive me. And I'm trusting you for a new start. I'm trusting you to be my Lord and my Savior. I give all that I am to you this morning. And as best as I know how, I want to live for you. That's you this morning. And you've lifted up this cry to Jesus. You have the promise that you're His. And so before we leave, I want to invite you to come to the front if anybody wants prayer. This Christmas time is to remember that Christ is ours. So if you want prayer for anything, if you want to just come and share, if you prayed that prayer that you've given your life to Jesus for the first time, maybe made a recommitment, come to the front. We're here. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to point you forward. For the rest of us this morning, you're invited to go and enjoy some cupcakes as a celebration of Nathan's uh, dedication, some coffee. But don't leave this place. If you're wanting prayer, come to the front. Amen. You're free to go.